0: are going to be live in three two one hello and welcome everyone to the no outlet podcast and folks do you love music i love music and i when i was a younger human being i bought so many cds um, because cds was the de facto way to listen to music in the highest quality way you could when I was at college and looking back at all those CDs now, it's like a time machine because every CD represents a different period of time, whether it was high school, earlier college adulthood. And it was literally the soundtrack, all these CDs with a soundtrack of, of a certain part of my life. You know, there are still songs that me and my kids will reference and we've got code words for the songs and it brings you right back there. So, I found a CD uh, from a band called The Breeders, and it was their second release, not their first release. Their first release was called Pod. This was called Last Splash, and it was released in 1993, and I probably hadn't listened, intentionally listened to The Breeders since maybe the 90s, like mid to late 90s. Um, You know, once in a while, maybe it, it might pop up on a playlist, but... To go out of my way to listen to it, it's been a long time. And so I found the CD, and it brought me right back to what what was it about that band that I liked? And I played Last Splash again, front to back, beginning to end, however you want to say it, for the first time in that in that long. And it is better now than I remember it being then. It not only holds up, but it just proves out What a tremendous talent Um, everybody, you know, everyone in that band uh, was. But in particular, Kim Deal um, was the cornerstone of that band. So what I wanted to do tonight, I just wanted to, you know, basically just talk about how great of an album that is, why, play a couple of cuts, and just reminisce about the way that music used to be, um, the music industry used to be. Everything was a lot more tangible. It's weird. It it definitely is a lot more accessible now, but I think there's a direct correlation with ease of accessibility to product at the same time that that goes up. The quality um, of the product is going to inevitably go down over time because there's just more and more mediocre people putting out music that wouldn't have put it out if the bar was higher or there was less people playing or whatever. But that's not a bad thing. I think increasing, I think increasing uh, musical output is always is always a positive. So back to the Breeders. So I started listening to this, and just a quick background on the Breeders themselves. If you are a music fan, so there was a band, the Pixies. They still tour, but it's not the same band as it was. And the band was uh, fronted by uh, Frank Black, who then later went by uh, Black Francis and. He's got another real name. He's gone by many monikers. But Frank Black had a huge ego and wouldn't really let Kim Deal, who had just moved to Boston from Ohio, and she did not know how to play any instruments at all. Um, and there was an ad in the Phoenix, which is a, a paper that some people will remember that name. Uh, the Phoenix was a newspaper. I think it was free in Boston. And there was an ad in there for, hey, we need a bass player. And, uh, of course, she didn't play bass, but... She was like, that sounds fun, being a band. And so she learned how to play bass kind of a little bit before, a little bit on the job, and ended up being a very integral part of Pixies. Wrote a song called Gigantic, which was one of their bigger hits. And actually, Kurt Cobain, um, obviously from Nirvana, said that uh, that song, Gigantic, that she wrote, while with the Pixies, was the best Pixies song ever. And around that same time, she wanted to write more, and Frank Black basically wasn't letting her. So she decided, "Fuck it! If you won't let me write songs, I'm going to write songs." And she started on the side. You know, she didn't leave the you know the band, the Pixies. She was still with them, but on the side, she started up this band called the Breeders, and um, started with a slightly different lineup that. Yeah so yes, yeah, so the band consisted of uh, Kim Deal, who um, was obviously in the Pixies. her sister Kelly Deal, who ironically didn't know how to play guitar when she joined the Breeders, but she learned very funny, Jim McPherson on the drums, the only male in the group, uh, Josephine Wiggs on bass guitar, and then uh, Tanya Donnelly release, you know, um, under the radar. But a lot of people of influence really liked it, and then Last Splash came out, and Last Splash was you know totally different. And between the time that she started recording and the time they finished, in that period of time, Frank Black, the man who founded the Pixies, decided that it would be a good idea to uh, just break the band up. He didn't you know talk to anybody. He didn't call anybody. He just put out a press release saying the Pixies had broken up. So Kim Deal actually found out about this happening from her sister, who saw it on TV. Or and at the same time, you know, uh, I think that Frank was kind of half expecting her to fall on her face, and she really didn't, and she really knocked it out of the park. And it was, it, it was, it's an amazing, it's an amazing album. Um, and so I'm just gonna play for you a little bit of. A song that I think is among the best on the album. This song is called New Year. And it starts off really slow. It's the very first song of the album. Super, super slow. And it kind of builds up. Layered. Not really sure what's gonna happen. Like it almost sounds too slow. Like that it's gonna they're gonna stop playing because they're going at the slowest pace possible. And then all of a sudden, Out of the blue. I mean, (laughs) that is just absolute gold right there. That is... That's called talent um, from a songwriting perspective, and making it sound perfect. Their first video was for "Cannonball," which was kind of the big hit on the on the album, and that was directed by Spike Jones, and it was directed by Spike Jones and Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth. Um, And it's a pretty interesting video, and at the time, it was extremely kind of like avant-garde, which isn't. A terrible surprise, given the fact that it was Spike Jones and Kim Gordon way ahead of its time, and that's what I mean like it's still like that song holds up, the video holds up like it doesn't feel like when you look at other when you look at other music from the nineties, a lot of it seems empty, feels empty um has <laughs> rotted on the vine um is no longer good for use, like just terrible didn't age well, not this stuff like this album ages like wine like it's it's an amazing amazing um album and then this song came up so it ended up selling it went, it went platinum and i think that this next song was as high as 33 on the billboard chart which really doesn't matter because that wasn't the market they weren't going for a top 40 um but it just goes to show you know how much impact it did have because even though they weren't trying to become that that pop band they they actually did in a way um and uh the weird thing was so I, I saw a lot of weird things but and it's too bad that they can't somehow figure out a way to get back together because it's really not i really liked about her was she was strong enough to not back down in that position almost like a chrissy hines was back in the 80s like she was the boss bitch and frank black didn't like it so he was just like fuck it i'm taking my ball and i'm going home i'm gonna shut down the band you know, it's like this woman is, is too talented, she's too uh, strong, and she's going to end up, you know, taking over this band. I'm just going to shut it down. I mean, that's the way it feels to me when I look at the whole situation. And and I'm a fan of both of them, you know what I mean? But um, it's definitely an interesting, you know, the whole scenario is, is kind of interesting. Um, but this next song that I'm going to play is that big, huge gorilla hit that came out of nowhere and used sounds that nobody was really using. They actually used a sewing machine for part of this. And, you know, big gaps of silence, which is just a no-no with music. And, like, almost the beginning of this song is a mistake. And instead of cutting out the mistake and only putting in the part that's right, they leave it in. And they just kind of run with it again. And then the the hook of the song, which is amazingly written, is addicting. I mean, amazing. Incredible song. And again, I'm not going to play every single song. There's many that I could play... um, there's one called Invisible Man that's great. Um, I mean, they're all. that's the thing. Up and down this list, I'm looking at every single song, and I listened to this album probably three times today, and every time I did it, I was just like, wow, that is really, really impressive. I'm trying to think of I, which was an, another one I should – so this is an interesting one because this is actually a cover of a song by uh, a band from Boston. Uh, Ed's Redeeming Qualities is the name of the band, and the name of the song is Driving on Nine. And um, I think that their version, the I think the Breeders' version, is better than the Ed's Redeeming Qualities. I've been told that that's not the case because a big part of the song, I guess the, the violin was accentuated a lot more, and it was a different cadence, a little bit sadder. The, the Breeders' version almost sounds a little bit like optimistic. There's some melancholy there for sure. Um, but it almost sounds like, you know, optimistic. Driving on night You could be a shadow Beneath the street light Behind my home Driving on night Now consider the way this song sounds and then compare that to the last two songs I played that were aggressive, hard, you know, edgy. I mean, not only talented, not only, you know, super creative, but also a huge breadth of ability. Like you can play a slow ballad just as well as you can play like a two and a half minute, you know, hard rock song. It's, it's really great. Um, Highly recommend it. Um, And I'm going to see if I can figure out one more that, And then you just get down to like it's almost like a surf record, you know what I mean? Like at, at the at the core of this is a song called Aloha, um, but it almost sounds like a, an album you want to play if you were down at a beach party, if you were going swimming, or you know, just a a, a rager, dancing, sand, booze, all the fun stuff. Progadima, Smash Ball, all those games, Foursquare. Foursquare is still a thing probably not. Smashball kind of Smashball kind of makes Foursquare like almost out of like almost like an antique toy you know, an antique game that you can't play anymore. It's almost like you know nobody rides those bikes with a huge tire in the front and then the small tire in the back like no one rides those anymore. That's just not something that's done and I think that that's kind of the same parallel with um with that um so there is a quick uh overview of um the breeders um you know there's there's a lot of information on the breeders bottom line is kim and kelly deal were a force kim was really the the talent there kelly deal ended up go check out the video uh cannonball because i think that's the most comprehensive way to kind of view the the group as a group of artists like Because it's visual, you know, it's got some, you know, again, it's Kim Gordon, it's Spike Jones behind that, you know, and ended up being one of the most iconic 90s alternative songs, you know. Um, And so that's the other thing, too. When it was happening, you know, to me, it was just like, I played that CD, like, on repeat for, I don't know, months, and then listened to it a lot for a couple years, and um, then just kind of put it away. But now I know why I listen to it so much, because it's that good. And um, I'm sure that for the next couple of weeks, it'll be in a somewhat heavy rotation, um, but it deserves to be there. So uh, anyway, this was just my tip of the cap to the breeders. I think that it's a cool story. I think that, and uh, by the way, the breeders is supposedly, they were named after a slang term that homosexual people use to describe heterosexual people they call them breeders because they breed and so i think that's where it came from and i think that kelly deal is a i think um i'm not going to guess i'm not going to guess i'm just going to tell you that the breeders was supposedly about that um and then we were going to uh talk about then we were going to talk about and that's the great thing about you know Music. It's a great thing about any art, right? You can uh, pick it up and just embrace it and take in everything that is, you know, that the artist wanted to convey and really make that connection. Then you can put it down and you can pick up some, something else up and that something else can make you feel a totally different way and um, is, is made a totally different method and with by a different artist. And, you know, you can literally feel, you know, this art in the same way that you can feel art that you look at. And, um, you know, that's why people like watching the same movies over and over and over again. I mean, it's because it's a piece of art. And when you watch a movie and it's one of your favorites and you love, you know, certain aspects of it and it it brings you tremendous joy, of course you're going to want to keep doing it. I'm not sure how I got there, but you guys should all go and check out the breeders. Go get, download uh, Last Splash wherever you get your music. If you get it from Spotify, go there. If you get it from, you know, iTunes, go there. Um, If you have the CD like I do, pull it out, dust it off, get it into a player, listen up, and you will not be disappointed. None of the songs are super long, which is nice. I really like it when, when artists keep it tight because some of the songs can be kind of indulgent. You know, you start getting into the over four and a half minutes, four minutes even. And it starts to get questionable. Like, is there anything that really is worth listening to for that long? And the answer is sometimes yes. You know, there are absolutely classics. You know, many by the, you know, many by Pink Floyd, many by Led Zeppelin, some by the Beatles. I mean, Rolling Stones. Um, there's, there's plenty out there. I mean, can't you hear, can't you hear me knocking? You know, it's like I think seven and a half minutes, and it's mostly just jamming. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, famously, I think is was the first top number one hit over seven minutes. Um, so people are used to you know smaller bite sized pieces. So I'm not saying it can't be done, but what I'm saying is they didn't indulge themselves. They didn't take a, a a masterpiece that's two minutes long and try to. It's not like they took a two and a half minute perfect song and then tried to stretch it to four minutes because they loved hearing themselves play so much. Like they know where to cut it short. They know how to edit. Um, which is so, so important. Anyway, again, I'm going to repeat myself for the fourth time, maybe the fifth time. It's called A Broken Record, folks, and I want you to go find the place where you can get music, anywhere that you get music, and get a copy of Last Splash by the Breeders. Play it, and I dare you to tell me it's not good. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day.